It's time for an inside look at the most powerful motorsport on the planet. WFO Radio, NHRA Nitro. Happy New Year. WFO Radio is back. What's up, everybody? Joe Costello back in the studio after the holiday. That's right. It's 2022. Back to work. Everybody get back to work. I'm back to work. You can see I'm back to work. All right, share the show, everybody. Let's get it. I'm going to get real aggressive here in 2022. We had our WFO Ignition show, audio-only podcast last night. It was great. Learned some great things. Like, for instance, happy birthday, Sue Morris of Dave and Sue, who run in Super Gas and Super Comp. And tomorrow is Marvin Rodak's birthday. So I'm definitely going to say happy birthday to Marvin. We have got Alan Reinhardt scheduled to join just minutes from now. So if you want to talk a little NHRA drag racing, get into the news of the day, of the week, of the month, uh, look ahead at the 2022 season. Now is the time. And uh, as I said, you know, I'm super excited and I'm amped up and I am uh, optimistic about what lies ahead in the 2022 NHRA Camping World and Lucas Oil Series season. Now, last week was the big Joe versus Pro, me versus Flying Ryan. I saw a lot of people listen to that show and watch that show. We'll discuss some of it. If Alan has questions, I will answer the questions. But we did, uh, we had a film crew out there and we shot the whole thing. So a lot of that stuff is going to be answered in that bit, which will be up on our YouTube channel which uh, I encourage everybody to subscribe and click the bell so you can see it when it debuts. It's going to be huge, but it was fun. It was a fun experience. I learned so much. Honestly, what an honor. It was, uh, I've spent a lot of time reflecting on what went down. Um, There's some good news. There's some bad news. We'll talk about it. Shout out to everybody on social media. But right now, you know, uh, 2022, some things stay the same. Like we honor our sponsors, the people who make it possible, like Total Seal Piston Rings, the leader in ring seal technology. All right. The Larry Morgan episode of Hidden Horsepower is up and available right now. We dropped it between the holidays and it's doing very well. Larry was at PRI and just dropped in on the the Total Seal booth and rapid fired a whole bunch of stories. Like all I can say is that, uh, you know, about ring seal, like interesting stuff like, um, Hartford had been trying to convince him to use the really thin piston rings for a long time. And Larry was, you know, kind of an old school guy and said, no. And then one day Mike Edwards grenaded an engine at like 1100 foot and a piece of the piston came out and it was near Larry and he picked it up and he went back and measured the remnant of the ring. And it was the narrow stuff. And then he called Matt and said, okay, like there's just one example of the great stuff that is in this episode of hidden horsepower. You should go right after this show, totalseal.com, the leader in ring seal technology. Appreciate them. Frank Hawley's drag racing school. I told everybody this is a great gift for the holidays, but now the holidays are over and it doesn't change the fact that it's a great gift and a great experience. And you should go to frankhawley.com, whether you want to just have the experience of driving a dragster or Maybe you want to become a champion race car driver. Maybe you want to give it a go, right? Get out on the big money bracket racing circuit. I think Frank can help. FrankHawley.com. Samtech.edu, really appreciative that these guys are on on board because I think that they are genuinely helping the hobby, the career, motorsports, aerospace um, with the next generation. Everybody's wondering, like, who's going to do these jobs? And Samtech graduates are going to do these jobs. Samtech.edu. Tell them you heard about it on WFO. I talked to Brian Massengale at PRI. I was like, do people say WFO? Because some do. 
He goes, but people tell me they hear it on places that we don't even advertise. So who knows? So say WFO. That's where I got the idea. And then there's Marvin Rodak, the birthday boy tomorrow. Now, I don't think I'm going to be on tomorrow. I think I'm going to be using this opportunity to dig out of a giant pile of just garbage that happened during the winter break, right? But Marvin Rodak is having a big birthday. 817-924-6821. You know, I always talk about the coffee. Do I have any coffee around? No coffee. I'm in trouble. No coffee. But I always talk about Rodak's coffee. But the fact that he is a grillmeister and has been on television for his grilling skills, that is something that is underrated. And so I used the other day the Marvin Rodak grilling technique that he shared with me. And uh, we had like a ribeye that was like four and a half inches thick, like a really giant piece of meat. But if you cut it in half, if you halved it, it would have been too thin. So he had to go big. We used the Rodak technique, and it was one of the greatest ribeyes I've ever had in my life, done right here at home. And I'm still like cutting bits of it. It's amazing stuff. Call Marvin, 817-924-6821. Everybody loves Rodak's coffee. Big thanks to Marvin and all of you out there. All right, let's get to the voice of the NHRA. Let's, let's go out to Wild West Engineering and have a look at what's going on. In his studio. And the great entrance of Alan Reinhardt. Right. Here he comes. Dun, dun, dun. Alan Reinhardt. Sorry, working on my new truck. Yeah, let's talk about this. What is this? This is the truck you told uh, us about last week. 19, 1970 Ford half ton, six cylinder, three speed. Uh, manual brake, manual steering, no AC. Just a uh, what would have back in the day been your absolute basic work truck. It was six cylinder, three speed on the column. At some point, somebody put a floor shifter in it, so it's not column shifted anymore. But uh, uh, this thing ran across my radar the other day. Been parked for a few years, and so I'm trying to make it mobile again. I, uh, it now has brakes, which it didn't when it got here. So, and I've got a carburetor ordered for it. Somehow, in the uh, so the carburetor was gone when I bought the truck. Somehow, over the years, the carburetor vanished. So, you know, it's funny. It's, it's <laughs> I, I think it's funny in the grand scheme of things. You know, I make a couple of calls, right? Hey, anybody got a carburetor for an old Ford truck? Uh, right. Yeah, maybe, sort of, kind of. I don't know. Come look through my stuff. Come to it. So after spending a few hours digging through people's, like, sheds and completed I finally went, you know, I'd ask, screw it. So, oh, look, I can have one delivered for less than $100 brand new. Oh, wow. Why didn't I do that last week? So the carburetor will be here for it tomorrow, and... Uh, uh, I do believe that it already has a new home, but I uh, just need to make sure that it runs and drives and does what it needs to do and then uh, send it on its happy way. Amazing stuff. So everybody is out there checking in. Happy New Year to you all. It is great. Cindy's asking if I'm going to be in Gainesville. I believe that I will. Um, all of these things. Uh, everybody's just excited. Some are miserable out there like this guy. Uh, great stuff. But before we go any further, because there's the whole, like Blake wants to know who won me or Ryan, you know, the Joe versus pro and all of that stuff. Someone asked that we talk about the new pro mod screw blower rules and, and different stuff. And, and we're going to get into all of that, but something sad did happen. And you are the one who informed, uh, people. I made a post yesterday, but I had shared a photograph. It didn't go. It, it wasn't allowed to share the photo. It turned out to confuse some people. Um, but, uh, Mr. Venables, like Dickie's father we have lost yeah, dick dick. venables father dick venables but people called me they thought oh my god dick you passed away i was like oh my gosh i'm so sorry i didn't mean to misinform you um etc and so on but just so everybody's clear 
Uh, and I texted with Dickie this morning. So sad. But I got to know the guy a little bit. And wow, you put it great, I think, on your post on Nitromator. Two Hall of Fame crew chiefs spawned from Dick Venables. Yeah, from a from an alignment break shop in Houston, Texas. Uh, that was Dick's business. Uh, and he had, it was uh, Houston, I believe it was Houston Wheel and Brake or Houston Brake and Wheel or something. Uh, but he was involved with a top fuel car. And I mean, we're talking, you know, back in the 60s, early 70s. Uh, his son, Dickie, of course, was uh, uh, involved, you know, working with his dad, both in the business end. And then there was this other neighborhood kid that was a friend of Dickie's that, you know, wandered by and ended up getting hired and coming to work and spending some time with him. And he's a guy you might've heard of by the name of Ron Tobler. And so that's where Ron got his start in NHRA. And obviously where Dickie started learning, um, you know, from his father, uh, I first heard about it uh, from Brian loans. And so, you know, I went up and put a post out on social media, just, you know, we're, we're getting to the point, right? I mean, it seems like now almost every month, at least, you know, somebody, some historical figure in the sport or somebody who's important to the family, uh, we're losing them. And it's, it's a shame, but I think that especially a guy like Dick Venables, even though he certainly wasn't a household name, especially in modern day, but what he contributed and the two young men that got their start in drag racing and learning from him, his son and Ron Tobler, what those two have gone on to do, I think is very impressive. And, you know, it's, it's just for Dickie, and I don't know the situation. You know, I don't know if Dick had been sick, if he'd been in declining health. I'd, but it's just an awful day, no matter what. You know, when, when my father passed, he had cancer. Uh, we knew that his days were numbered. We knew, we, but it's still the day that you get the call that this is, it's just an awful day. And, you know, the racing family, as always, you know, pulls together and shows support and lets everybody, hey, we're still here for you. You know, we'll, we'll help you through this. And uh, it's just, just a bad day. Yeah, well, exactly. And, uh, you know, Dickie, like you've got great relationships with pretty much everybody out there, which is why you've been able to be around for 30 years. And, uh, you know, boy, Dickie has been such so, a, if I ever have a question, he is there to answer it. And not everybody asks me how I'm doing. You know what I mean? Like, not everybody asks me, like, you know, hey, how are you doing, right? Like, and, and I don't blame anybody for that. They've got work to do. But Dickie does. He goes out of his way to ask me, are, are you okay? Are you good? How's things going? Are they bringing him back? That kind of stuff. And not everybody does that. And it's like, man, and uh, I got to go to a barbecue in Houston a couple years back, Tobler and uh, and kind of hang out with Mr. Venables, talk a little old school stuff, look at some pictures. They brought out like a photo book and, and watching uh, Tobler and Dickie look at the book with Dick Venables with, you know, dust in the air and a fire going somewhere in the background. It was amazing. And, um, you know, I dread that day. And I'm so fortunate that my dad is still with us. He's 78 years old and his health is a little eh. But um, like, I'm scared of that day. Like, I'm frightened of that day. Like, I don't want to go through it. And I see, you know, I see you, you're friends with everybody on Facebook, right? There's like 4,000 people on Facebook and we have our drag racing community and we have all these people that we know and they know us maybe better than we know them because they see us on a screen somewhere or they hear us on the mic. And it's just amazing to go through. And every day there's somebody who's experiencing loss and tragedy, like every single 
day. And it's tough. It's tough to deal with. But that's one of the, you know, that's what comes with knowing a lot of people and getting close with a lot of people and being, you know, the blessing of being able to know great people. And so, you know, my heart goes out to Dickie and it's. Uh, and to terrible. Ron as well. I mean, I, I guarantee you Ron feels like he lost a father as well. No doubt. Uh, no, I feel I feel exactly like you do. You know, the being being a part of this big community means that some of these personal tragedies that happen to other people are going to touch you and are going to affect you. But it also means that when something happens, you've got this huge support staff. And in my view, it is absolutely 100% blessing. It's not blessing in disguise. It's not blessing. It's not, you know, there's no downside to it whatsoever. The fact that when I have had my personal tragedies, all those people have been there for me, even if it wasn't something on this scale. Um, yeah. You know, the fact that I can let people know that, hey, look, you can lean on me if you need it. I'm here for you. And, you know, just knowing, and I'm speaking strictly for myself, but just knowing that all of that support is there uh, is, is very helpful to me. And so if I can be a part of that group and somebody else feels the same support, then I'm very proud to be a part of that group. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we'll be back racing here in something like 45 days or uh, I saw a post the other day. Everybody's getting amped up and I can't wait to uh, to give Dickie a hug. And, and, you know, what can you do? It's very tough. It's very tough. But we will move on and we do have some things to, to talk about. It wasn't really like a big uh, Everybody knows to not break a bunch of news in between Christmas and New Year's. We did have our Joe versus Pro thing that happened, and Blake wants to know who won. So here's the deal, Alan. Have at it, Joe. Come on. Screen yourself in the center and no, well, brag about your prowess in the Mustang. The snowman from Smokey and the Bandit had a very uh, pertinent line when regarding something like this. Like, what you know what was the result the normal result i lost <laughs> but uh and so we had a film crew out there george casteris uh who lives in tampa came out who you know from uh he's works in the truck at the nhra for the last 30 years pretty much as much as you uh have and he came out and we shot the thing right and so there's uh details that's going to be released on the wfo radio youtube channel we're going to put that up I am going to put it, that in the uh, comment section right now so everybody can be sure to subscribe. And uh, I don't know exactly when it'll be done. It'll be done uh, relatively soon. But here's the deal. I'm very happy and satisfied with my personal performance. But I did lose um, to Ryan Ayler, who has a great business over there. Like, he's got a great thing. So I got some photos. I do feel that there are reasons, you know, but when you state what the reasons are, they sure sound like excuses. And I really don't want to give any excuses to being defeated to nothing. I just want to take the whooping and learn from it and be better next time. And maybe there will be a next time. Like maybe there will be a rehash. Here are some photos from the day. Honestly, the track is a historical landmark because of these things. Pretty amazing. Tampa Bay race rentals. He had a good time. There was a good crowd there. And it was like all pro stock motorcycle insiders. Like Chris Bostick won the whole thing, Alan. Like there were two 32 car shootouts. Bill Langford was there, stock super stock racer. I had to run him first round in the 32 car shootout. But uh, bottom line, me, I ran uh, second round Harvey in the second round of the 32 car shootout. Great race, lost by uh, 24 Thou. 
They were 5.0 Mustangs, automatics, run them in sport mode, and a lot of possibilities. And I think I was overwhelmed by so many different, like traction control on, traction control off, starting line RPM, wow. 900. Well, and right. And that's what I did. I ran it with it off. Um, but they had made two runs with it on, and they were actually a little quicker. Uh, the guys who run the cars on a regular basis bring it up to around 1100, 1200, just take up the slack, slack, not too much. But then Evan Smith, who is a Ford test driver was there. And he said, no, man, you got to bring it up to 1800. And so it's like, oh my gosh, you know, I, I just had so much information to sort through and, um, and I just didn't have enough time to do it. I got it. I got it. Who gave you the best advice that you didn't follow? No, I, I, What's funny is you, which was what? Bring Kevin McKenna's car. Bring oh, Kevin man, McKenna's car. <laughs> we'd have tore him up, man. We would have, <laughs> we would have tore him up. But <laughs> honestly, um, okay, I, Mac, got one... I know you got your car being worked on. How about if I make a couple of test hits for you just to make sure it's like, yeah, great. I'll bring it back clean and full of gas. Have a nice day. In the rematch, we're going to do that. And I think that Ryan is <laughs> obligated to give me a rematch. It's going to become an interesting thing. He has a great little business. There were a lot of people out there. It was a very fun experience. Uh, I would have liked one, more than one practice run, you know, to familiarize myself with the track, with the car. Um, that would have been, I think, better because I improved every time, right? Every time I got a little better, but I was just trying to deal with a lot of information and sort things out. They were good races. And, I just lost to the pro, man. I lost to the pro. And he does have the advantage of having 400 runs in the car. I mean, of course he's going to have the advantage. That's why I, I was hoping that you'd get there early enough that you could go up there and, you know, make half a dozen practice launches, kind of like what we talked about. Oh, my God. Okay, see, so now that you bring that up, Alan, and thank you for bringing that up, I, when I did arrive, and I did arrive early, there were people making practice hits, right? Chris Bostic, who won the whole thing, made, like, I don't know if it was 10, but it was definitely six and Ryan had to cut him off and he went on to win the whole thing, right? Those six practice runs made all the, I was restricted to one practice run by Ryan. And. Well, that sucks. If you got to race him and he's got 400 runs in the car, why would he restrict you to one? Well, he told me that he had only made one run that day. And so sure, that it would that be day. fair. John well, Force only made one run today. So you, Who's got more experience in a funny car? Him. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to bring up any of this stuff, Alan, but now that you're kind of going there, um, yeah. I did feel like I one run before an elimination against someone who owns the cars and, and knows the facility and has done countless A-B testing as to what the right way to run is, and I got one run. Um, but I went up there, and my first run was, you know, respectable but not great uh, at first round. Lose. And then second round was a much better race. Uh, but I just feel like if I could have gotten like, like you said, half a dozen, what's better, this or this, what's better, this or this, uh, sure. I felt like I would have performed better, but I didn't perform badly, which is the thing. I didn't perform badly at all in my third, you know, my third dip, I'm down, getting down there. And uh, I think that something can happen in the future. But really, though. Whether I lost or won, like I would have loved to have won. I let a lot of people down. You know, everybody was rooting for me, beat Ryan. You know, it just seemed a little unrealistic. Um, but the experience of staging up against a professional pro tree drag racer 
and it's like when it was going down, like, oh my God, man, I'm, I'm in this now. I, I could look like a fool <laughs> or whatever. And feeling that intensity, right? Uh, everybody's watching, feeling the intensity. This guy has won wallies. Uh, I got to go up there. I got to, I got to do it. And I did, I did it. It was a great, uh, it was a great experience. And it also illuminated, like, I thought of Ron Caps and Greg Anderson. I thought about those guys doing it with the weight of the entire earth on their backs and performing at that high level. And I'm laughing about me being in a rental Mustang practically in a track where there's nobody around. And then thinking about those guys, televised sport. Like I, I couldn't stop thinking about Angel going out there and racing for Vance and Hines on a motorcycle and having to put it together. The, and the feeling of loss, it's terrible. Like feeling, avoiding loss versus feeling the enjoyment of a win like I think drag racers want to avoid the loss, maybe more. Like losing sucks. What's the last? What's the last thing that went through your mind before you went into full stage? Roll in as deep as I can, but not too deep to catch the guard beam and turn on the red light. <laughs> like, how far can I get in? How, you know, and that's you know, like, how much am I bringing it up? That's another thing. Like, okay, so in retrospect, I should have staged first. But Ryan got in there on me. And so now here I'm, I'm trying to stage last and I can't go in as deep as I would have wanted. I should have staged first. I should have negotiated more practice runs. I should have, excuse, 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 da, da, da. Uh, I lost, but I had a great time. And you know what the best part, though, of, of it all was, honestly? Seeing this guy who I know yeah. that you reached out to him like right after his incident and everything. But what was cool was totally organically. Corey's out there, and he still got his metal uh, erector set, whatever you want to call that erector set, right? But he decided to go get in one of the Mustangs, and he made his first run down a racetrack since the incident. Do you want to see cool. it? Do you want to see sure. it? Here it comes. Sure. Corey Reed. Pro stock motorcycle racer back from a horrific incident in Charlotte. Healed. About to make his first attempt. Got it sitting pre-stage. He's going to have to work that brake pedal. Let me tell you, this is a pretty big deal, by the way. This guy is beloved. Nice. Oh, he goes in deep. And there you go. Corey Reed back. Right on. He staged, he had a hurricane. You know what a hurricane is? You know, this, this ones that they say he, he was using the brake pedal with a, with a cane and did a great job. And it was, it was, uh, I don't know how it was for him. I talked to him. He loved it, but it was emotional. We watched that guy nearly lose his life and 
now he's back on track and he was hanging out with everybody. It was a great time. All in all, I had a great time. Wish I had performed a little bit better. Obviously, I had won something. But uh, in the end, good times, good times. And right was- on. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully next time you'll have a – now that you've got a little experience under your belt, hopefully next time he'll give you a little bit more opportunity to get comfortable in the car before you have to go into eliminations. Well, that's exactly right. Like, I, you know, uh, for me, this was like a fun exercise. But what I should really have been doing is negotiating more practice runs. Like, I got, you know, I got to get five practice runs, man. You own the cars. But uh, Ryan was great. It was a good time. And we'll have the video up on the YouTube channel uh, at some point soon. Everybody out there saying, what's up? Bass Knuckler, I had a 69 F100 Ranger straight six, three on the tree, says Bass Knuckler. Gavin says, have you heard anything about the World Door Slammer Nationals this year? I, I have, but I would direct you to Wes Buck uh, because it is his race and it is his program. And at last I heard, um, you know, I think you should just reach out to Wes to find out official information about that. Uh, let's see. Everybody's saying Happy New Year. Can't wait for the Winter Nationals understatement of 2022 so far that's uh right up there at the top of the list yeah definitely definitely this guy wants to know are you flipping the truck or are you keeping it says derek i think we've already sold. answered that question already that's the whole deal uh i see you haven't gotten rid of the couch yet says jim essex i'm really stunned that one of our listeners have failed to come and uh, take that from you well it was cold and rainy here over the weekend so i didn't i wasn't gonna roll the thing out there in the rain but uh, sun's supposed to be out the next couple of days, supposed to be back in the seventies by the end of the week. So I think that'll be a good time that I will uh, set the couch out and let some neighborhood, um, downtrodden down on their luck, homeless person have a more comfortable place to sit and sleep. Exactly. That was once used in an, a, um, Asian massage, uh, parlor. Hey, look at that. Good <laughs> uncle Joe. Uh, that is good. Everybody weighing in Tony weighing in. It's a gift out there for folks to be needed. Uh, let's see. Do you think Austin Proc will be back in top fuel this year in NHRA at John Force Racing? Ask Lauren. Austin was out at the PRI show, and he was doing what he's got to do. Whether they do or they don't, I don't know, but I know they want to. Yeah, I don't have any inside information. I haven't really talked to anybody uh, the last couple of weeks. You know, most of the teams basically shut down between Christmas and New Year's anyway. So, you know, guys are starting to get ramped back up. But uh, as I understand it, they have every intention of doing it. It's just a matter of getting the last of the financing in place. And uh, I've got, uh, I'm pulling for him. Believe me, I'm pulling for him. We need to have another good car back out there. We need to have his personality back out there. Absolutely. Rick Ross goes, are we going to get to see the race where you got it handed to you by Ryan? The answer is yes, both of them, both of them. But that is, uh, we're trying to put together something, you know, decent for the YouTube channel, Joe versus pro. And this has got legs now. And this has got legs, me challenging all kinds of professionals to various things and being beaten. Think of how entertaining that will be for a week. It'll be great. <laughs> Terry Buckley wants to know about qualifying runs on Fridays at the Gators. What, what uh, do you know about that? Like four runs, three runs, two runs, nothing, nothing. Um, It will certainly be at least three. Uh, I know that at some of the races will, Oh, you know what? At the Gators, I'm almost certain it'll be four. And that is because we've got the all-star shootout. Right. And the Gators. And I don't believe that they would go into that race without everybody having one shot at each lane that would take place on Friday. So uh, that's not official news by any means, but just I can logically put that together that you would almost certainly have four at the Gator Nationals because we are going to have Nitro All-Star Shootout. And I don't think you'd want to go into that race having just one run at the track and not having one run in each lane. 
that makes a lot of sense. I, I would hope. Uh, I, you know, I haven't spoken to a lot of teams, but I've heard anecdotal discussions about does the three qualifying sessions save enough money to counterbalance the effects of not having the data and the runs on competition, right? It's like that, that bounds. That depends, that depends on your budget. It depends on your budget. Uh, and, but I've heard, I've heard a lot of people, you know, suggest that uh, they would prefer to go back to four runs. So yeah, I have as well. And, you know, obviously as it's always been, you're not required to make all four of them. If you're a team that's on a, a tighter budget, doesn't have, you know, the wherewithal or the parts or the inventory or whatever to make all the runs, you don't have to. Uh, if you are a team that is fully funded and has a big budget, then you're always trying to learn something. And every run you can make down a racetrack, you know, uh, Tim Richards said years ago, he said, we want to dance every dance. And even times when, you know, okay, well, you ran good on Friday night and you're qualified first and you're saying, you know, Saturday afternoon, it's 900 degrees and it's greasy and it's miserable. And Sunday, it's supposed to be overcast and 30 degrees cooler. You ain't learning nothing that's going to help you this weekend. Yeah, but we're going to learn something's going to help us somewhere. And so the teams that have the wherewithal to do it and have the budget to do it always want to go out there and dance every dance. Exactly, exactly. Here's a question. And, and guys, this is the first show of 2022. All of your questions will be revealed in time. But Timmy talking about where did Alan Johnson end up? I, I don't think that has ever been officially resolved or announced. It's a bad kept secret. I've heard people talk about it, but the like the press release moment where the big reveal of where Alan Johnson is going, I don't think it happened. I don't think it will happen. Maybe that there was talk about that. That's not the kind of thing you even put a press release out. You just show up at Pomona with your guy. Um, what say you? I think there will be an official announcement. Um, I think, you know, it's fairly well known that uh, he is going to be headquartered with, let's see, I don't want to give it away. I've already said that he's going to Coletta Motorsports on the air, on the mic, at the NHR. I was told, don't say that, whatever. But I'm owning my mistake that I said. Like, I blew it. I let the cat out of the bag. Like, here, cat, get out of bag. Horse, go from gate. Big mistake. Well, <laughs> he did an interview with Amanda Busick in Pomona, Alan Johnson, that is, where he said, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, I just happened to be in the TV booth at the time when they were doing this. So I did the same thing. I said it, waited until after the TV show had aired on Saturday night and said it on Sunday morning and immediately got a note that said, we haven't announced that yet. Right. And I said, it was on the TV show. They said, no, it wasn't. And so apparently after Alan had spoken to Amanda, they went to the to Steve Reitress and said, hey, look, we're not ready to announce that yet. Don't put it out. I wasn't aware of that. So I thought it had made the TV show and I made the announcement. But uh, Alan Johnson will be out there. Don't worry about it. And uh, he'll have plenty, plenty to do. They're trying to finish up what uh, many believe is unfinished business up in Michigan. And uh, he looks like he's probably the man for the job. Well, it's it's very exciting. And there's a whole bunch of layers to it. And I just hope that and I know that they will. New Year's was just the other day there. The, the news rollout is going to start now. There's a lot of information that has to be put out because testing is going to start real soon. I don't know. You know, I, I know some people at some teams are going to start testing 
uh, in various areas, some even around here. And, you know, you can't lie to people's eyes. Like they say, oh, there he is. Right. And then somebody is going to go on Twitter with a picture and, and that's it. It's out. So you might as well get ahead of it. Monica says that Ryan set me up. He knew I was a strong force and only gave me one run. I, I don't want to believe that. I think he was just uh, being a racer, negotiating very, very hard. And uh, like, Jeff, you didn't lose, Joe. You learned. Don't forget it. Oh, no, I learned. I definitely <laughs> learned. Launching with a cane, talking about Corey Reed. Yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. Jeremy says, Happy New Year's. Are you ready for the 2022 season to start? Alan? Yes. Absolutely. Happy, Happy New Year. Chris Garrettson saying, uh, Garrettson, just like the rest of us, you have to just suck less. Right, exactly. Just try to suck less. <laughs> Garrettson, did you get into the Gator Nationals, Garrettson? That is the question. Uh, the big sub story was stock and super stock racers trying to get into the Gator Nationals. And from what I understand, stock eliminator, you know, sold out, whatever you want to call it, in like six minutes, four minutes, something like that. And I don't know this, but I hope that they are again going to run Gator Nationals class eliminations at the Baby Gators because there isn't a quota at the division races. And so guys that want to come down and run for class at the Baby Gators are going to have an opportunity to do that. When I become the czar, now see, I'll get in trouble here because somebody from NHRA will go, don't say that. When I become the czar, if, hypothetically speaking, you were to go to the Baby Gators and win class, that yes. would get an automatic entry into the Gator Nationals. Just like if you're in Indy and you win class, then you're automatically in the eliminator. You know, even if you didn't necessarily qualify it in 128, that would give the racers a whole lot more incentive to go down to the Baby Gators. Um, and then, of course, the guys that have 900 grade points would go, well, but, but wait a minute. So yeah, you can't make everybody. But, you know, you mentioned that, though, like people need to realize and, and uh, the Lucas Oil Series racer, um, like they are loved. They are the backbone of the sport. We love them. We love the cars. Uh, you know, once upon a time, and and you'd know better than me, like the way it worked, but I, I know why. Um, there's only so much real estate in the pit, and everybody's rig has doubled and sometimes tripled in size. And uh, a lot of racers are bringing three cars, four cars to the racetrack, and they're getting grading points. A lot of them are professional Lucas Oil Series racers and so the quotas have come down and it's harder to get into the race you need eight grading points to have made the gator nationals and stock eliminator that's a lot but yeah, at the same time so also, what about that people don't like that but at the same time you can't admit everybody it seems like a system that works yeah and i think that you absolutely should reward those who have been supporting you <clears throat> excuse me all year long on the lucas trail and that's where the grading points come from, right? If you run the Lucas events, you run the National Open events, then that's where you get your grading points. And I think that it, as a sanctioning body, NHRA should support the racers that have been supporting them. But I also think that, you know, when you get to the point where, gee, there's no way I can do this, and it's especially difficult for people, you know, when, when I was involved in racing like a million and six years ago, I'm never going to be the guy that travels, okay? I didn't have the budget for it. I didn't have the time off work. I didn't have anything. But I would go run two or three of the regional races a year, and I just wanted to run my home race. Right. Now, if I couldn't get into my home race, the only one where my friends are going to be there, my that was kind of disheartening uh, because, you know, a guy from Kansas City who runs all over the country has got all, and now, you know, he can get into Phoenix, but I couldn't. And so that's the 
you know, that's the difficult balance thing is you, you don't want to lock out your local racers from having an opportunity to run the Gator Nationals. And just because, you know, they only run three or four races a year and whatever, where they don't have the budget, they don't have the time off work, they don't have, but, you know, making a commitment to go get eight grade points makes you a pretty serious racer. And there are a number of racers that run two or three regional events a year that would still love to run their home national and don't get an opportunity to do it. And I also think Gainesville is going to be even more flooded with racers like that now because we don't have Atlanta. And so the number of Georgia racers that, you know, if you're in the Atlanta area, I think you either adopted Charlotte or you adopted Gainesville as your new home national event. And I think that's going to make it even worse. So, uh, you know, hopefully the baby Gators will be a huge success. And I think, I don't know exactly what the solution would be, but it would be nice to find a way to hopefully allow some of the local racers, even if they don't have a million grading points, to be able to get into their local race. And I'm going to I'm going to pile on that because uh, last night we did our first ignition podcast of the year. And and Dave and, and Sue Morris, Sue Morris is one of the Patreon co-hosts of that. And so she gives us kind of an insight into uh, these things. That was my immediate answer. A race is better when locals are a part of it the hometown hero aspect of it and tony stewart with his srx he and ray evernham recognized this and created some sort of exemption for a local crew chief local driver so that local fans can see their joe versus the pros and i'm not saying nhra is doing it wrong but if a quota is 60 can we have five or six spots for locals somehow local track champion or racer within 50 miles who's got at least one grading point, you know, some sort of thing at each local venue. Because, by the way, I think it sells tickets. I think it sells tickets. I'm going to see my local guys out there go up against the, uh, you know, the outside invaders. Let's watch our local heroes do it. Um, I think it's worth it. And, you know, if you become czar anytime soon, you should make that happen. How about how about this? And just, you know, kind of as long as we're piling on, right, we might as well go ahead and take, you know, from problem all the way to solution. Yes. We've already revealed where Alan Johnson is going against this. So let's uh, keep going. Whatever your quota is. okay, and let's say that your your magic target number is 64 because that gives you a nice even round count. Right. No buy runs. No, that gives you a nice even round count. If you go to 65, then you've got an extra round in there. You've got and that just makes it more difficult from a time perspective, if not from a real estate perspective. So let's say 64 is your magic number. You yes. take 60 entries by yes. whatever, you know, if it's, you know, eight grade points, seven grade points, whatever it takes, you take 60 entrants. Now you have four spots left. You go to the, and this works not everywhere, but it would work in Gainesville because you have the baby Gators the week before. So now if you make it to the semifinals at the baby Gators, you've got an entry into the Gator National. So for a local racer, I'm not giving it to you for free, but I'm giving you the opportunity. And if you come down to, okay, well, the two that were in the final are both already in, okay, well, then you can just kind of move back a little bit until you find your top four finishers that didn't have the entry and bring almost like, you know, if you win a heat race, you move on to the A-main kind of thing. But that way you've at least got an opportunity. And if you go to the baby gators and suck, better luck next year, but you weren't locked out. You had an opportunity. And uh, so there you go. It's fixed. Fixed. Problem solved. Problem solved. 
Leon says, uh, has NHRA been lying about the sim game that is allegedly on the way? NHRA yes. won't even answer that question. Uh, as it turns out, they have been lying. It is completely uh, <laughs> false. And uh, <laughs> Brian Loans gets in trouble for perpetuating the lie. He told us on the holiday show that, uh, you know, he put out a clip or something and got in trouble. No, Leon. First of all, I love you, Leon. But just the idea that there's a, you know, <laughs> we're going to lie. We're going to tell a lie. No, man, there's a game in development. It's coming. It's yeah. coming soon. They're working on it. It's going to be great. But just to, the, you know, lying, they're lying. Organizations don't let me, lie. Let me, let me ask you this. If you're the NHRA, what would be the point of, of making this up? Yeah. Because you're going to get lambasted when it doesn't happen. If you lie about something if like this, that, was man. all just you know. Okay, hey, for you know two years, let's get everybody's hopes up, and then it'll just like. <laughs> there's I mean, there's absolutely no reason in the world to do that. It is going to come. It it everything I've heard. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't been able to play with it. I haven't put I, and I have no involvement with it. But everything I've heard from the guys that are developing it is that it is light years in front of anything that's ever been out there before. And when it hits, just be ready for it. Cool. Exactly. If you're if NHRA is going to lie about something, they should aim higher. Like, you know, Elon Musk is coming into top fuel with a six car team. Like, let's lie about something really big as opposed to, yeah, there's a game. Ah, just kidding, guys. There's no game. <laughs> just kidding. Ha <laughs> ha. We got you. January fools. 20 of us are renting the track at Famosa for a test next Saturday. We're getting ready. Oh, says Dragster Jeff. That is great. Spencer's doing something crazy with his fun. It's about as good a secret as Tony Stewart racing, obviously talking about Alan Johnson. Jerron Settles out there. Happy New Year, Joe and Alan. See you guys in a few weeks. Jerron is out there doing it. Michael saying Happy New Year. Y'all see what Brogdon is doing for Comp and Division 4. The answer is yes. And Brogdon is going to run full-time pro stock in 2022. But I think that the comp program is great. I, you're not on Facebook, so you didn't see him castigate is the rest of the, the racers. But he basically said he made a nice post and it was it was stern, but professional and said, OK, racers, let's be honest. You guys got money. Let's stop whining about uh, there's no money and let's put up some money. And my money is where my mouth is. And here's like $150,000 into the project. And a lot of people dove in it. And I think more people are going to run D4 comp than anything else. And I think that's great. And, you know, he's a guy that has such a passion for that particular category. And I think it's a lot like, you know, what Richard Freeman's done in pro stock. You know, when pro stock was, I don't want to say it was on life support, but it certainly was struggling. And the reason was simple because there wasn't an easy path to be competitive in pro stock. And so Richard Freeman, even though he knew it was going to cost him personally wins and championships and opportunities by putting more cars out there that he was going to have to deal with, but he made a huge investment for the betterment of the class. And for Roger Brogdon, it's financial, but he is willing to make the huge financial investment because he has the same amount of passion for the class and for the category. I love comp, but comp has gotten pro stock expensive over the years. And it's just a very difficult business model. You know, for the people that love comp and race comp, they don't want to do anything else. Okay. They don't want to go race top sportsman or they don't want to go race super stock. They love comp because of what it is, because of the formula, because of the wide open rules package, and because it's performance based. 
because you're not going to go down there, go too quick, and then have to lose because you went too quick. But because any category that's performance-based is going to be exponentially more expensive than a category that's not, and that is what's happened to comp. Over the years, it's gotten so expensive to compete that some people just can't. And by Roger putting up the extra money and everybody else that gets involved, I applaud them. By putting up the extra money, it's like, okay, now you've got a legitimate purse to race for. Now bring your stuff out here and let's race for it. And I think it's really interesting that, you know, the guy that won the most money out of the division four last year, if I'm not mistaken, the Washington state guy, right? Didn't Cody Lane win the. I think he did well. I don't have that off the top of my head, but I can tell you also Roger Brogdon, speaking of leadership, um, and Roger's doing very well for himself. Okay. There's a lot of big roofs down there in the Houston, Texas area, and he's doing real well for himself, but also he, the other problem with comp, right. And uh, not that I don't dislike the Sunfire, but no, you know, I, I hate to say this about someone's race car, right. But those cars were not the most energizing of hot rods the cobalts and the sun. Is that a nice political way to say it? Brogdon realized, like my dad says it to me all the time. I wish comp was like it was back in the day where these amazing cars and he's thinking of Frank and Linda Mazzi and he's thinking of Fiat Topolinos. He's thinking crazy stuff, right? Brogdon went out and built himself some crazy stuff. A comp car that isn't the arrow bullet sunfire super mod that it's something that someone's going to look at it and say, wow, that's a badass race car. I love that thing. And it could be in a magazine. Whereas, and, you know, no disrespect to the G5s and the Sunfires and the Cobalts. It's very aero, front-wheel drive, GM economy car that you buy for a 17-year-old teenager as their first car. And you put all the racing stuff in it. It looks pretty cool. But when a fan sees it, they say, that's uh, the car you get for your daughter when she's 17. Okay, Joe, you're a racer. You're going to go race in comp. What are you building? Oh, man, I don't know. I have to put some thought into it. Can I answer next week? Well, the but the problem is you can't, you know, giving up the performance advantage yeah. is not a good way to go out and win races. You know, there's a reason that there's so many of those little arrow bullets out there, and it's because there is a performance advantage. Roger knows he's at a disadvantage, and he's willing to take the hit. Now, one of the other things that they did well in comp a few years ago was when the rule was changed and everybody had a personal index. Yes. That was index. huge because before that, and this part of why I call it complicated eliminator sometimes before that, it was very possible that you could have been sitting on your couch with your feet on the table and had your index crushed by some guy that was racing in mine shaft conditions in Seattle. And you would be punished even when you weren't at the racetrack. So there has to be a sliding scale. There has to be the competition index control. All of that stuff, I think, has to remain. But you shouldn't be punished because some guy in Maple Grove went out on a beautiful weekend and crushed your index. And so that's one reason that Roger can get away with building that car, because even though his car may not be as quick as some of the others from an aero standpoint, at least he's not going to be punished by somebody else going quicker than that. Now, if he goes out there and has to race another B ultra automatic heads up, eh, that's just kind of the brakes. But uh, I think the, the personal index was something that would allow some more creativity in the category. I agree. Very much so. Very much so. A um, lot of discussion about grading points. Eight's too many. Jerron says six and then just open it. Who gets in, gets in. Uh, but, top but the problem with that is if you just open it at six and there's 157 cars that want to get in, you can't, you don't have any place to park them. 
That's the problem. Right. You open it at eight. And if it's still open, if there's still spots next week, then at seven, if there's still spots then at six, if you just go, okay, everybody's six and above, you, you're going to have 150 cars that, that all enter. And that's, you know, that can't happen. It just, there simply isn't enough time or room for that many cars. Chris Garrison says top 10 nationally should wait until quotas are full before they enter as a common courtesy to someone who is not guaranteed entry. Can you explain that? Well, see, then you're, you're at that point, you're kind of gaming the system. And I don't know that I disagree with that, but if you're top 10 nationally, you've got an automatic entry. Uh, if you're a former world champion, you've got an automatic entry. You know, if uh, Bo Nickens decided next week he wanted to race comp and the field was full, he's a former world champion. They, you know, he's in. If David Rampy decides he wants to come out of retirement again someday and wants to, no, no problem. He's got an entry because he's a former world champion. So that's part of why the quotas are always down a little bit. You know, if you want a 64 car field, you set the quota at 60. Then if you got two or three of these late entries come in, but what's going, what, what I'm afraid would happen is if all of the top 10 and the division champs and whoever's got the gold card that can make this all work, if every, whoever's got the magic, you know, the magic entry waits, so now there's 60 cars, then everybody piles in. Now there's 72, and that's an extra round. And at some point, then, the rules are going to be changed again because people are gaming the system. Right. The gaming the system isn't how you make policy. You make a policy that's a good policy. You can't expect those people to do it. By the way, waiting, uh, you know, I don't know if I like that. Jeremy says, what would you think about a, a no prep Kings invitational race at an NHRA national event at one of the wide tracks? NHRA runs two lanes. No prep Kings runs two lanes. Uh, I've been watching that more often than I ever have. I watched this season because I like the idea that they're on a racetrack now. And I know a lot of the personalities uh, and uh, you know, Pat invited me out to the one at Palm beach. I got familiar with it. It was pretty cool. It's very entertaining. I, I don't see the, the necessity other than to make it convenient for us drag racing fans to see all that stuff at the same time, um, maybe expose us to them and them to us. Uh, you know, Steve Petty, well, here's the deal about no prep Kings. Okay. That I've come to the conclusion. The driver personalities are different people. The tuning personalities are the same people. Adam Josiah <laughs> is out there. Steve Petty won the championship with Jose Gonzalez, won the championship with Ryan Martin. Like, it's, uh, you know, Proline, it's all, a lot of it is the same right beneath the surface. And, uh, you know, drag racing is drag race. I, I love the fact that we might have an opportunity to get some of the no prep Kings fans to come watch an NHRA event for the first time and expose them to what we do. I love the fact that the no prep Kings would have an opportunity for the hardcore NHRA fan to get a taste and see what they do because, it's racing, right? If the cars are cool, I'm all for it. But from what I know of the no prep Kings, the amount of time that they spend negotiating, setting up the races, doing the stuff, making it all happen. How would you make that work in an NHRA show that is scripted to the point where it's scripted? I know when some of the guys have been out here and I, I have never personally experienced this, Joe, if you've been there, you probably know more about this than I do, but Fans that go out there, they think, you know, they literally have lined up to the point where they've had to close streets out around Tucson Dragway because the traffic was lined up so far trying to get in, which is wonderful. Yes. But then they get out there and it's like, okay, two cars go down. Now they've got their negotiation. They're setting up their shots. They're doing the stuff. So the on-track action is not like a boom, 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 boom thing. No. Like people get used to in NHRA. So if they're going to spend 30 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever it is negotiating their next race, what are you going to cut out of the NHRA show to make time for that? 
you know, having the extra two lanes that you don't have to prep differently, that would be the only way it would work. But how are you going to make the timing work? Because their show is four, five, six hours long, right? Longer. As is ours. So now what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, the thing about No Prep Kings is that it's a television show. And when you go, you're an extra. That's the thing. And I've been an extra on some film sets and TV sets and you go and you're there and you get to watch it all happen and everything. Um, and it's very interesting and it's highly entertaining. I was on Burn Notice once. It was good. I was in uh, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Uh, these are my credits that I'm throwing out there. And uh, it's great. But you're an extra on a set when you're at No Prep Kings. And there are periods where there's no sound going out. There's they're, they're filming a show. That is their prime directive. Whereas when you're at an NHRA national event, you're at a sporting event, which is very, it's, it's a different thing. A lot of people don't understand it. I'm not saying one is better or worse, or they're just two very different things. And uh, I, I'm a media person. And so I noticed that immediately that I was told that they have eight film crews running around at No Prep Kings uh, to cover the event. And these long golf carts and sound guys running around capturing all kinds of stuff that we don't even know is happening. Ours is, is our system is very different than that. I, I don't know. Um, I want more fans for everybody. So if we have to do something, run an ad in their show, like, I don't know, maybe we should do that. Like, I don't know, but 330 miles per hour to a thousand feet is pretty impressive, no matter what kind of cars you like. And I think it can bring in new fans and we need to try to get new fans at all times. That's it. Like, I, I that's thought, did you see the, uh, did you see the 1320 video that uh, the guys put out from Pomona? I started, as soon as I got to Brian loans, I turned it off. I was like, I, enough, enough Brian loans. Okay. He's in my life all the time. I hear Brian loans. I did see it. I'm kidding. But these are guys that are very involved in racing, mostly streetcar stuff. Yeah. I don't mean racing on the street, but I mean, um, Drag week and that kind of stuff, you know, mostly street cars, serious race cars, but street cars. And they are very, very heavily involved first in drag racing, not NHRA event drag racing. They came out, they got some behind the scenes access that, okay, I'll grant you, not every fan gets, but they got an opportunity to come out and see an NHRA national event at the finals. And then they put together, what is a seven minute or eight minute video, something like that. And they were blown away the number of times that uh, Kyle was talking about, wow, you don't see this at one of our races. Wow, this is way, and because he had never been exposed to NHRA. So if there was a way to get the no prep King guys to come out, I don't know, maybe invite two of them or maybe invite four of them, do some exhibition runs, not do your whole full-blown TV show, do some exhibition runs and come out and hopefully get your fans and we could get some exposure where our fans would get an opportunity to see your cars and see what the performances you guys put on even if they don't get the opportunity of the full show, I'd be all for that. And as you know, and anybody that follows knows, we have invited some of the local clubs, you know, some of the local, whether it's big tire or small tire or outlaw or whatever, to come out and race an exhibition and do some stuff for exactly that reason. We would like for their fans to be exposed to what a professional NHRA event is like. And we would also like for our fans to see what they do, especially if it's a regional uh, and I'm killing myself because I can't think of the name of the Texas group that was down there. Um, I think they came to both Dallas and Houston a couple of years ago. Yes. Unrelenting. Uh, <laughs> not, not that. Um, my gosh. But we, we also would like 
the hardcore NHRA fan, right? And there's a number of them. I mean, I could introduce you to 10 people in my circle that go to one event a year at the drag races, and that's the national event up at Wild Horse Pass. Now, if we could take them and go, hey, look, this is some really cool racing that happens. There you go. That happens three or four or five times a year at your local racetrack. You can go out on a Saturday night for a $10 or $15 ticket, watch these machines race. And okay, they're not going 330 miles an hour, but they're awesome cars. They're great personality. They put on a hell of a show. And so if we can do that to help the local circuits or the local racing groups, then I'm all for it. And if it gets some of their fans to come out and maybe they'll decide next year, you know, to come to the nationals, we used to go out to Houston. And I mean, this is like getting into the time machine. We used to go out to Houston occasionally. Uh, they'd have a streetcar night out there where it was instant green, no scoreboards, you know, pretty much run what you brung. There was no announcer. There was no, it was just, Joe, you want to race? Okay, pull up into the, when it's our turn, we pull up. Instant green, no scoreboards, no nothing. And there's some pretty serious race cars out there. And there were some pretty serious guys with fistfuls of cash out there that were, you know, this is what they do. This is their form of racing. Well, we'd roll in there with a pro stock car because we wanted to make a couple of three test hits. And the number of people that came over and like have never seen one of them, have never had no idea that this was part of drag racing. It's like you live in a community that has a professional event come in once a year. You have one of the super tracks. You're obviously familiar with the racetrack. You're here. But the fact that they had never even considered coming out to the NHRA national event. So we need to figure out a way to do that crossover. And that's one thing that I think over the last few years, uh, NHRA has been really good about. Let's reach out to some of these local groups, come out. And now if we could do that with, with the no prep kings, I'm 100% for it. We couldn't have them come in and do a complete production. There's just not enough time in the day. Right. But if we could have two or four of their cars come out, make some exhibition runs, show off to our fans, this is something that happens that you can keep track of. And kind of like NHRA, if you want, you can follow them on TV. When they're racing in this neighborhood, great. When they're racing someplace else, you can follow along on TV. I think it would be good for everybody. We just have to figure out how to do it. Yeah, so everything that I'm thinking right now, I don't know if I should say it, right? Because it's like I've been watching the show, and um, like there's a few angles on that. And and it's drag racing, so like uh, it's good to expose people flipping up and down Two cars racing, competition, exciting, 3,500 horsepower. That's always good because where what's the pinnacle of drag racing? Uh, I know and have known many people over the years, my local bracket racing friends, a couple hours south of the Gator Nationals, never went, never went and saw it, never felt the desire to go, never thought that there was anything that they could learn from it. Clearly, that's totally wrong. A visit to an NHRA national event will teach you if you're the type of person who wants to learn thousands of things from how to set up your trailer to how to tow your car to how to modify something, how to set up the cockpit. Like these are practical professionals and the way you're doing it at your local bracket track. Maybe it's good, but maybe there's a better way. How about you? You know, but but they didn't feel that way. Right. They, like, oh, you know, it's like um, the person who plays basketball and is out the local court and wants to play as opposed to going to an NBA game. They don't want to go to a game and see, but, but I think the person who plays basketball at a local court um, is much more likely to want to go to an NBA game than a lot of 
local track, grudge track, outlaw track, drag racers. And, and so that's your point. But do no prep kings, like, what do they gain? They've already got, like, the most popular show on TV. They've already got this formula. Like, I don't know. Do they need? What, what do they need for by being at an NHRA national event? And for the NHRA to pay, like, let's create a phony scenario where Ryan Martin races Lizzie Musi in a best of three at an NHRA national event, right? Because I think that's something that's pretty doable. Like, we could probably make that happen. Um, Lizzie with her tie through Pat and all that stuff. But, like, are we going to take some of the limited budget we could be paying to Top Fuel, Funny Car, Pro no, Stock? No, like, our Pro no. Stock guys, are we going to give it to those guys to put on a show? No way, man. To me, I still think that being a professional, Greg Anderson and Erica Enders racing each other in NHRA national event competition is a bigger, more sig significant competition than anybody in no prep Kings racing just because they're on TV. Cause let's face it. What makes that a big deal? Because it's attached to a TV show. And this is a sport that's been around for 70 years. Uh, so that's my thought. I, I get it. I'd like to see it. I want to make, I want to bring worlds together and regarding like rendi re redemption and those guys. Um, I loved all their cars, the Midwest pro mod guys. I love their cars. I love the screw superchargers. They're now coming in a pro mod. Hopefully they'll come in. But I don't suspect that many tickets were sold to come see them. And I might be wrong and forgive me for being negative uh, at the start of the year when I should be positive. But I remember looking and watching like, hey, these guys are coming to the starting line, small tire shootout, big tire shootout and looking. And I didn't really see any fan support. And I think in the balance of like who gained, right? Did we gain anything or did they gain anything? I think they gained way more than we gained. We being NHRA, of course, I'm a com contractor, so I, I'm just happy to work there. But I just didn't see a following. Hey, let's go watch these local guys race at the NHRA national event and support. I didn't see that. And I'm not saying it didn't happen, but I didn't. I was looking for it. I went into the whole thing looking for, hey, are you here? Asking questions. Didn't get a lot of that. I, so I don't know. I just kind of crapped on the whole thing. I'm sorry. Well, I, and I, I don't know either. I think, you know, after you run nitro cars, no matter what comes up next, you're going to have some exodus from the grandstands because there are some people that, you know, after you've seen nitro cars, everything else just isn't as fast and isn't as cool. Right. But I think you gain, you know, how many tickets were sold? I have no idea. There had to be some, right? I mean, they're friends, they're family there. But I think what you gain if you're NHRA, is you are trying to bridge the gap between so many of these outside racing groups, so many of these that have always seen NHRA as the 800-pound gorilla that doesn't want us, doesn't love us, doesn't care about us, and doesn't That's want to have anything to do to with us. lying to us about their video I game think, release. <laughs> I, I think if you extend the olive branch and go, hey, guys, we know that you're all racers. We would like for you to come out and be a part of this. I remember when Big Chief was running his car um, in ProMod at the U.S. Nationals, however many years ago that's been now. And so many guys like, oh, you know, and his stance was, I'm going to race Indy. Yeah. I'm an outlaw street race guy that is going to race Indy. And he knows his car probably not fast enough to qualify. It wasn't. Probably not going to be competitive with our, it wasn't. But he was doing something. And one of the things he said I thought was great. He said, all of you guys that think whatever I'm doing is stupid, what are you going to be doing Labor Day weekend 
when I'm racing at Indy right. and you look at, you know, like the Mountain Motor Pro Mod guys, and I've spoken to a number of them over the years, they've always looked at NHRA as the enemy, right? They don't like us. They don't have any use for us. They don't, you know, our cars are faster than theirs. And, they, 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 you know, that. and then when NHRA reached out and said, how would you guys like to come be a part of this? It was like, oh, pick me, pick me, pick me. The first year that the Mountain Motor Cars came to an event, Lones and I got in a golf cart and went down to the pits just because we wanted to, you know, some of the guys, obviously we know, some we don't, but we wanted to go down, see them, make sure we had our information, right? So, and every trailer we walked into, guys were running out of the trailer. Thank you so much for letting us come race an NHRA event. I think that, you know, just the fact that you're gaining goodwill with these groups is worth whatever you're doing, even oh, yeah. if you're not selling an extra thousand tickets. But for so many years, a number of drag racers, serious hardcore drag racers, have looked at NHRA as the enemy. And I think that getting past that is worth whatever it takes to bring them out to the racetrack and let them be a part of the show. Well, it's, uh, you know, definitely. Like Drag Race Central, who comments on a pretty regular basis and has got some good comments. And, of course, based on his name, you know, you'd think he knows what he's talking about. He says, no prep Kings fans hate NHRA, though. And Spence responds, most of the no prep Kings people used to be NHRA fans, but left for one reason or another. If NHRA wants to get them back, they first got to figure out why they left. Okay, so, man, I, I, I had a guy on last night. He's a Patreon, and he he's like me in that, like, what is NHRA doing? No, th that's an opinion from 10 years ago that NHRA is this evil empire. Like for 10 years now, they have been doing the right thing and positive things and reaching out and all kinds of positive things, trying to be a new NHRA and have been a new NHRA. It's just like a thing. No Prep Kings fans. I can tell you no Prep King. I went there and I walked amongst them. I was by myself. I was eavesdropping on their conversations. They are television viewers. They are TV viewers. They're not drag racing fans. They're there to watch their favorite show, which is on a lot. It's on a lot. They watch their shows like, man, if I could go and hang out where Jerry Seinfeld and, uh, you know, George Costanza were and watch them do stuff for the Seinfeld show, I would have done it. Remember in the second episode when this guy said this to this guy? Yeah, that was a great episode. Like they're talking about the show. They weren't talking about race cars or chassis setup or points. Or they are they are TV fans. And so I disagree that most of the No Prep King fans used to be NHRA fans. Maybe they were. I think we did lose a lot of uh fans over the years, you know, going back to the 1320 thing, going back to a bunch of stuff, whatever. But I'm okay with losing those people because they're negative curmudgeons. Like if they don't want to be a part of it, goodbye. That's fine. I don't think they're at no prep Kings, but they are watching. They are watching because it's so convenient. How can you not watch? It's on always. You're a car guy and you're flipping and it's always on. It's basically the cornerstone of the discovery programming. It is literally on all the time. And the amount of time that their personalities get, versus the amount of time shown actually racing, right? Like that formula, that formula is the reason we show 98% racing, 2% personalities. And in that personality moment, the driver mentions his sponsors and he's got, he's all worried about, did he get this one in and did he get that one in? And did he thank the person? And right. These guys they are set up. If you watch the show, they're set up like they give them a setup. Like, let's talk about, well, you know, if we win, that means we'll be in the thing. And they there's it's all personality. 
that's what we should learn and steal. It's, and we are, by the way, like we are, we got our own uh, programming that's getting ready to come out and I'm sure it's going to be great, but that's what they hit on is that people want the soap opera much TV watchers, TV viewers, not drag racing fans, television viewers want soap opera more than they want competition. That is what I take from no prep Kings versus NHR. I, I think there's some of that. I think, you know, in the in the early days, and we're going way back in time, you know, Wally always said the cars are the stars. And that was all that was promoted was the cars, the cars, the cars. But NASCAR figured out a long time before we did is that people don't buy tickets to watch cars. People buy tickets to watch people. You know, do you want to see the spectacle? Yeah. Do you want to see something blow up or something? Yeah. But if you want to create a fan, they need to have someone to follow not just a car. And, you know, I used it and I think IndyCar had the problem with it for a while too. And they've certainly turned around, but I used to tell people for years, you know, and if you don't believe that people come to watch people race, not to watch cars, but to watch people race right now, today, give me Kyle Larson, give me Chase Elliott, give me Kevin Harvick, give me Kurt Busch and give me four go-karts. I can sell 50,000 tickets in a Walmart parking lot. So they ain't coming to watch go-karts race. Right. They're coming to watch these people race. And so getting more of the personality out, I think you're a little tipped over on the 98%, 2%, but getting more of the personality out is certainly big. You know, Erica Anders has got a tremendous following. And it's not because she's got a red car, and it's not because it's because she's Erica Enders. And it's like I said at the banquet a couple of years ago when she and Greg got into the, you know, the little chirping match when Greg was shutting off and qualifying doing it and don't fix that. Right. You should oh, never fix that. <laughs> they didn't. <laughs> it's not and fixed. You want the fans, when Erica and Greg come to the starting line, you want the fans to go, I'm rooting for my guy or I'm rooting for my gal. That's what you want. You end up with an issue that the sponsors are like, oh, well, you know, all you've done now is alienate all her sponsors that'll never come do business with me. Well, when they were in the mail order wars, a guy that was a Greg Anderson fan, he wouldn't buy nothing from Jags anyway. And a guy that was an Erica fan, he wasn't going to Summit to buy his parts. So who are you upset about making? I mean, you know, can can you imagine if somebody had told Dale Earnhardt, okay, now you got to be nice because if somebody gets upset, they won't come to GM Goodrich to get their oil changed. Right. No, of course not. You wanted his personality out there, and that's why people loved him or that's why people hated him. That's why people love or hate Kyle Busch. And I don't care what side of the fence you're on. I just want you to care. You know, when right. somebody comes to the starting line, I don't care if you think Steve Torrance is the greatest ever or if you think Steve Torrance is a brat. I don't care as long as you're paying attention when he comes to the starting line. And if you want to cheer when he gets beat, that's fine. If you want to cheer when he went, that's fine. But the last thing you want is a bunch of fans that go, okay, who's up? Yeah, I don't really care about those guys. Who's up after that? Because that's not how you get engaged. And so the one thing that those TV shows have done a great job with is they get you to know this person. You know, SRX is a perfect example. And, you know, whether it was by accident or by design, and I really think it started by accident. And then Paul Tracy went, you want me to be the bad guy? Okay. (laughs) I can do that. I don't care who's in front of me. Get him out of my damn way. And I know people that didn't particularly, not necessarily, you know, NASCAR fans, or they would watch towards the end of it, because they wanted to see what happened to Paul Tracy. 
not whether he won, whether, but whether somebody spun him out, whether, whether he got what was coming to him after what he did to my guy last week. And that's what you need. And that's one thing that Tony and Ray Evernham realized when they put together so SRX. Fun. And like you said, it's a TV show. I mean, there's a race. Yeah, but it's a TV show. And their deal, what are we going to do? We're going to come on the air. We're going to sing the national anthem. We're going to throw the green flag. And it's a TV show. But they got the personalities involved to the point that people now would tune in after they'd seen him a couple of weeks. Because let's be honest. Are you watching them because they're the fastest cars you've ever seen? No. Are you watching them because you're brand loyal to those cars? No. No, because they're generic. Right. So what are you watching? You're watching because of the names that are in the cars. And when the names that are in the cars get mad or happy or whatever, then that's how you're engaging the fans. And like you said, when they realized we need to find the local hero from this community and have him come out. And when they run well, wonderful. Because now every local track guy in the country is going, oh, come to my track, come to pick me, pick me, because they want to be and know that there's at least a path that they could potentially be a part of that. And I think that's good for everybody. Jeff says, I can't stand no prep kings crying about guessing the light. Yeah, there's it, it, they're they're in a different portion of their arc. They, right. They're just in a different like that's the reason we have yellow lights. Right. You know, like guessing at the light, all that stuff. But what about Justin Collier? What do you think about? He says, I think this is a kind of emblematic of a lot of opinions out there. I disagree with them. Uh, I it, because unless it's nitro powered, you are the bottom of the totem pole. Right. Like so it's not even like a range or a spectrum of appreciation. He feels at the bottom of the totem pole. Like he is totally, well, you know, like I would love to ask, what do you want? You know, like I used to watch board, I watched Boardwalk Empire and I thought it was one of the greatest mini series. It was five seasons long and Nucky Thompson was the mobster in there. And he would always say, uh, Alan's getting his mail right now, but uh, he would always say, it's all right, Alan, do your thing. Um, he would no, always say, that was uh, Santa Claus in a big brown truck. UPS just uh, came in and dropped off some stuff. Was it Rudy? Was it Rudy the UPS guy? Anyway, it was not, no, Rudy. Rudy's not my UPS guy. He's always been on the other side of town. Got it. So anyway, Nucky would always say in a negotiation, like, what do you want? Right. And so I would say to the Justin Colliers of the world, like, what do you want? Do you want to be on the TV show? Do you want to be the star of the TV show? Do you want to what do you want? Like, what makes the super gas racer say, uh, oh, man. You know, I know Ron Caps is going 330 miles per hour, and this guy's won multiple championships. He's been in TV commercials with Chase Elliott and Martin Truex and Michael Waltrip and everything. But man, he's not the top of the like. What 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 solves that problem for the sportsman racer that makes them say NHRA is doing a good job for us now? Like, what 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 do you want, Justin? That would be my question, and I don't mean this in a mean or derogatory way. I mean it in like I think. As someone, and I know Alan does, like is trying his butt off to try to highlight every racer out there and make them the star for the time that they turn out, the time that they turn off. And I can tell you that we, like Nikki and me and the social media team, we're desperate to make you guys feel like something special and expose your cars and your stories. And you're kind of crapping on it by saying you're at the bottom of the totem pole because you're not nitro. It's just not true, Justin. What do you want to remedy the situation? And I mean it like super respectfully and with a curiosity. Well, the nitro cars are the stars of the sport. There's no doubt about that. And everybody knows that. But as far as what's being done for the sportsman, 
over the last few years, there have been a number of things done. At every event where we race uh, the alcohol cars, there is a Lucas Oil television show. And if you make it to the final round, you're going to make it on TV. Not necessarily get interviewed, but you're going to make it on TV. One of the things that came into play, um, however many years ago it's been now, seven or eight years ago, the change to the Sunday format. So that unless bad weather, something stupid, you know, something ridiculous happens, you know, but the schedule is every Sunday to make sure that the sportsman cars are done before the pros, because we want you guys to have an opportunity to run when there's more people in the grandstands. And towards the end of the day, usually by then, most of the fans, you know, they've been back, they've got their autographs, they've got their t-shirts. So after we run the semifinals, they're going to kind of hang out and watch what happens because they're waiting for their pro finals, but they're still going to pay attention to what's on the track. So NHRA made a huge change in the schedule with the idea of two things. One, we want you to have an opportunity to run in front of the fans when there's the most people in the grandstands possible, especially on Sunday afternoon. We can't make the fans show up at eight o'clock on Thursday morning to watch your first time trial run. Sorry. The other thing that kind of morphed out of that whole thing was the parade of champions, where if you win, you now have an opportunity to come down on the return road in front of the grandstands and tell your story and have a couple of minutes where you get to have the spotlight, where you get to be the star of the show and you get to talk about what you've done in front of the fans. NHRA puts together a video package for all the winners that gets sent to you afterwards that has this interview, that has your run, that has the stuff that you can have show to your grandkids for the next 100 years or take to your sponsor if that's what you need to do. But that's something that we've done specifically for the sportsman Yeah, I don't even know that. I didn't even know that, that they create a, if you win in sportsman, you could get a nice little video package of the deal. Didn't know that. Another byproduct of this, and it was another reason partially that it was done, was that then the sportsman guys and gals can go to the winner circle and get their pictures and things done before the pros get there. And anybody that won before and after will tell you, if you won before, when the pros got the winner circle first, and there was one winner circle, right? Especially in the Winston days, there was one winner circle. So top fuel, come on in. How many hats you got? 900. Funny car, come on in. How many hats you got? 800. Pro stock, come on in. Motorcycle, come on in. Da, 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 da. By the time you get to the Super Street guy or the Stock Eliminator guy, it's 11 o'clock. And literally the only people there are two photographers and your mother if she hung around that long. And this way, you get all of your stuff done. You, if you want to hang out and watch the pros race, great. If you don't, you can go back, you can get your trailer loaded up, you can, and you're ready to go have dinner at 5 o'clock in the afternoon instead of still waiting in line at the winter circle at 10 o'clock at night. And that's the way it used to be. So, you know, there has been a lot of things done over the course of the last few years specifically to try to make it a better experience for the sportsman racers. And I'm sorry, but if we get into a weather situation, the pros are going to take precedence. We've got TV windows that have to be met. Right. We've got, you know, the vast majority of the ticket buyers come to see them. They are going to take precedence. But the NHRA has gone way out of their way, in my opinion, to try to make it a better experience for the sportsman racers, assuming that everything runs on schedule, everything runs the way it should. It doesn't always work out that way, but they have certainly tried to do that. And, 
you know, I'm, I'm sorry that you feel like you're the bottom of the totem pole just because your car doesn't burn nitro. But, uh, you know, I, I hope you don't feel like when you pull to the starting line, if Joe's on the microphone or I'm on the microphone, that we're going, okay, just another dumb super gas car. How long till a funny car? Right. Because exactly that's a little it's a little uh certainly not what we're doing. he says he says his coverage of each racer and team at the event is great and he just wants more tv time and i get it like here's an example and we've gone negative it's gone dark now i'm gonna bring it back don't worry everybody but i remember being at the u.s nationals a couple of years ago and rain was on the way we were trying to hit a live tv window and i think john force was in the final okay and um maybe it was top sportsman that was in the lanes and we had to clear the lanes to like send him back to the pits, something like that. I don't know if it sticks out in your mind, but I, it was when John Force uh, won, I guess, his sixth Indy. Okay, and I remember a bunch of those racers like were vit vit vitriolic, like angry, or whoever it was. Maybe it was Showdown. I forget who it was. I remember a couple of guys down there screaming, like, you know, you we deserve time. It was like, time out. This is the U.S. Nationals. We're live on Fox Broadcast Network. Our sport's greatest star of all time is about to be in the final. We're trying to hit a TV window. What is your argument now that we should run out this round of top sportsmen or whatever it was so that what? So that we can show appreciation for you. Like, I think that in that moment, a little, what do you always preach, Alan? What is it? Situational awareness needs to come into play for the racer. You're at an event where there was 800 people. We're down to the final round of the only reason that we really have this race is because we're on Fox Broadcast Network and John Force is trying to win. And like, I, maybe I have extra awareness, would be offering, volunteering to get out the way as opposed to get, get out the way. Well, John Force coming through, final round, funny car TV for the sport that I love. I will. I, how about I run after? How about we run after that, right? That would be my mentality. The person that wants to put themselves first in this whole thing, it obviously doesn't think about the sport in a, a larger context, right? Like they uh, don't, I, they're not aware of it. And I, that annoyed me. I remember hearing that. I, I don't know if I'd go that far, but I think that everybody that's out there has their own personal concerns, you know, and uh, it's not just in a situation like that, but uh, <laughs> how many... How many times in traffic? It's like, you know, well, I could let that guy in. Ah, he should have merged 20 minutes ago. It, and, you know, there's just, you know, well, you everybody's always. And then you go. You let one and you go. It's like it's a civilization. It's society, right? Like I let one go and then the guy behind lets me go. And if everybody lives by that rule, it will be a flawless seam, like a zipper zipping in one and one that's, and one and one and one. That's actually just... a law here in Arizona. That's a law here in Arizona, but that's uh, that might not have been the best analogy. But I still think everybody you know, you're always looking out for yourself. You know, I, you know, I, I want what's best for me. You know, if, if, Hey, something bad has to happen to either me or you, Joe, I hope it's you. Sorry. Um, you don't have to but, outrun the bear. You, you know, just have I, to outrun me. I, I kind of get that. I think the vast majority of racers do understand, uh, but there's always going to be, you know, somebody that, how, how many times have you talked to somebody that won the race? It's like, hey, congratulations. Well, wow, yeah, but, you know, I got a bad pitch space. And it's like, dude, if you're not happy because you won the race, I'm yeah. never going to make you happy. Right. So, 
do what you got to yeah. do. And, and so like this guy, Mark says, he's a good commenter. He says that uh, they need to embrace ways of adding value to sports and racers. Let's not forget how this conversation started, which was the Gator National sold out in four minutes. So they're doing something right. Something right is going on in Hired Duck and Peter Beyondo. Peter, of course, I love and I think is great and a genius and is always trying to improve things like he has with his double entry rule at his big money bracket racing. Duck, I have no experience with. And um, judging by some of the Internet stuff has maybe run afoul of uh, of that scene, like the radial scene, like turning on him. By the way, perfect example, right? This guy builds up this amazing thing. And now people are like... Uh, He's he's got, from what I understand, uh, adversarial relationship with uh, some folks out there. But I don't understand the soap opera of of that. Um, all right, let's move forward from this. But this is good. We had let's a nice, like, deep dive into the negativity uh, surrounding some things, but also it's also wrapped in positivity. Anything else? We were going to talk pro mod rules, but I feel like we've used up all of your time for the day. You got to get to do breaks on that uh, on that truck. But a whole bunch of combinations, basically. Right. We got screw superchargers yeah, now. We, we got like everything. You can run it in pro mod. Yeah. We, well, we can do a deep dive into that next week if you want to. Invite Stevie Fast to come on for 15 minutes. And because he's a guy that's run every combination out there, I think, except turbos. Yes. But because uh, they can't yeah, do we, a that'll, that'll, give us, that'll give us something to uh, deep dive into next week. I like it. I like it. Yeah. A reason to listen to next week's show at very least. All right, Alan, great job as usual. Uh, final thought from Alan Reinhardt. Well, I do have to share something with you that this happened to me last week that I just thought was hilarious. Um, Steve Johnson was going to be in Phoenix and invited a few people to dinner. Uh, some of friends and some sponsors and some people that, uh, you know, just wanted to just not a business thing, but, you know, kind of a, Bench race and thanks and hey, you got an idea for this or that. Uh, one of the guys is David Ward, who lives down in Vail, which is a little bit south of Tucson. So David was going up and I was going up. And it's like, well, geez, uh, there's two of us from Tucson that are going. Why don't we carpool, right? Does it make any sense for both of us to drive separately up there? We're going to have dinner, turn around, and come back. Of course not. So reach out to Dave and it's like, yeah, and, and he lives south of me. So he says, I'll just swing by and pick you up on the way. Okay. So tell him, you know, to, how to get to my shop and come pick me up and da, da, da. And the whole time I'm thinking, yeah, when he gets here, I'm just going to tell him just, you know, park your car there and let's take mine because I've got a pretty nice, comfortable car. That's a nice little cruiser on a road. So that's my thought. When he shows up, I'm just going to tell him, look, just park your car there and we'll take mine and we'll go. So then he comes rolling in in this. Ah, uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. What is that? I'm Claren. I'm a Claren. Yeah. And all of a sudden I went, Yeah, I don't even have a car. Let's just take it. Let's just take I'm ready. Care. You brought the green Let's one today. Up. That's awesome. I was gonna I just with really Steve. thought that was I just really thought that was hilarious because the whole time I mean, I know David, I don't know him well. Um, uh, and I had no idea that he had one of those things, but the whole time I'm thinking, Yeah, when he gets here, we'll just take my car and then he goes, Yeah. Yeah, I guess guess we'll take yours. But anyway, I thought that was funny, and I wanted to share it. Love McLaren. How was Steve? Was he good? Yeah, yeah, he's uh, you know looking forward to next year and uh, looking forward to getting going again. And you know, Steve always, you know, what can we do to better promote pro stock motorcycle in particular and yes. NHRA in general? But for the most part, it was just like a really entertaining, lively, fun conversation and a nice dinner. So uh, I'm glad I got invited. Thanks, Steve. Excellent. And thanks, Dave, for the ride up and back. Yeah, and both of y'all. 
Thanks for nothing. No, we'll see you in Florida. We'll see you in Florida. All right. All right, Alan. This has been very eventful. WFO, truly, uh, to start off 2022. Thank you very much for all you do. We'll talk next week. And uh, we'll, I, I anticipate we'll have some genuine news to talk about. We'll have that ProMod conversation. I think you're right. I look forward to it. All right. Later, Alan. Be good. See ya. There you go. I, oh, I got to go full screen and wave goodbye to Alan. There he is. Alan Reinhardt. Thank you very much. There you go. WFO. How about it? We went for over an hour, hour and a half, just like attacking, attacking, attacking the audience, attacking them for their opinions, telling them they're wrong, that they have no clue. Well, like Earl here, 60 spots in super gas. There was 198 in the day. That's why they sell it. Well, yes, we talked about that at the very beginning, but why does everybody have a 60 foot long double stacker trailers with a 50 foot winner? But like, there's only so much real estate. And there's also only so much time to run the cars. Like these are things that I once thought too, like time to run the cars. Like we start these races at, you know, we're calling cars to the lanes at 7.30 in the morning, sometimes earlier. And we're running nonstop all day till Sunday afternoon. And people still say that they're, you know, they're they're too long. So I don't know if we're going to double that car count and and think about it they're you know they're leaving money on the table if you had 198 super gas cars like how many folks out there on and and there's another thing too it's like entertainment value for folks you're on nhra.tv how many people want to watch a 2 hour uh super gas uh, session you know these are all things and all i want all i want for 2022 is for people to think about the next layer or two. And I'm not saying I know what it is because I don't, I don't, I, you know, well, what is this? What is the reason for this? And there's typically a reason. And then there's a reason for the reason. Like we get to a place, like there are people right now who believe the earth is flat because they never seen it. Like they don't trust, right? If that's a real problem, in America, in the world, that people believe the world is flat. Well, like drag racing, like who knows what people think? So we got to all try better. We got to do better. We got to reach out to Justin and tell him, no, dude, we love super gas and we love cars that don't run nitro. But the reason that there's 20,000 to 30,000 people in the stands is because of nitro, because they're un earthly machines that do things that something that's not on nitro cannot do. It's simple as that. There's a reason why people go to the Cape and watch rockets get launched. And because it's amazing, it's amazing. And if you've got a race car and you spent a whole bunch of money getting your race car to go the same ET or to go super fast, right? You should probably appreciate the miracle of nitro cars. You should appreciate it. And the fact that this sport has been around for 70 years and got it's on Fox and it's got all this great stuff, but you don't, you obviously don't feel included. You don't feel included in that, but you are. 
you are included. When you're out at an NHRA national event, there's people watching you. You might win best appearing. You might win best engineered. You might go a couple of rounds. You might get on TV. You might be featured in some social media. There's a whole bunch of reasons. You can create a little business for yourself. There's a whole bunch of things that you could be doing. Like, what's your social media feed? Like, how are you doing? Are you doing a good job promoting yourself? Are you letting the people like me and Alan know who you are and what you do and why you're interesting? Are you doing something or are you just standing back demanding in an entitled way? You know, and I don't mean Justin. I don't know. I know you, not you. You get what I'm saying. You get what I'm saying. Huh? Not a super gas rate. So I'm not sure where that came from on uh, pro stock motorcycle team. No, I, I get, I get you, right? Your picture is not up there. I would love to have a photograph, but you're watching on YouTube and that's probably the reason. Justin, I get the point. I'm just using you as an example and I appreciate what you're saying. And I agree probably on many points, like everybody needs to do better, but you've taken on the role as the random bottom of the totem pole racer in this situation. I think it's the nitro cars bring all these people to the track. And then it is all of our job to try to siphon some of those casual fans that are just amazed by the noise. I was sitting in the stands not long ago and someone was telling someone else that Austin Coyle was John Forrest's crew chief. And we put all this investment, you know, announcers and being knowledgeable and coming up with uh, information and the fans in the stands. They're not listening. Oh, no, they're hanging out with their buddy. They got, they got a beverage. They're talking to their friends. They're telling them stuff that they think they know that they don't know. You know, yeah, man, Austin Coyle. Yeah, no, Austin Coyle's been gone for 10 years. But do you intervene? Like, there could be a whole Twitter account, things heard in the stands at the NHRA that are just flat out wrong. Was it Betty White? Could have been. All right, let me let me get going in the right direction here. Mark, I had a nice chat with Steve Johnson in Pomona. The, the dude deserves a title. Uh, okay, let's be harsh. Uh, you, you know, deserving a title. You got to go out there and you got to take it. I think, I think Steve could. I think Steve could. If Steve uses the information that he learned, and this most recent experience and applies to it, especially if Matt Smith is going to try to switch to Suzuki and these Matt Smith's going to have all that scrappers racing stuff on his mind. Like you can maybe bog him down a little bit and, and Steve can just figure out how to get over the top. Joe audio at the track for the most part blows. I don't know. I think the NHRA time uh, sound system is good. I feel like our sound system is good, but we do have a very challenged situation. These loud cars. Blake says, I'm so excited about going to Pomona in February. I can't wait. Blake, you're going to Pomona. Oh my gosh. You're going to love it. The winter nationals. What is the outlook for uh, full pro fields this year? It's great, Terry. Excellent. I don't know. I feel like it will be, we'll, we'll just have to see. In my opinion, pro mod racing will never work on quarter mile. And this day pro mod is an eighth mile class. Yeah. And, and like you talk to a guy like me, like, let me be negative, like eighth mile racing versus quarter mile racing. Like I would never choose that. I, I think, look, okay. Look at all the people that rejected the sport going from a quarter mile to a thousand foot. But now you want to go to eighth mile. What will those people say? Like, are we going to gain anybody by going to eighth mile? I see the eighth mile racing. I watch it. It's interesting. I like it. But I guess it's all what you're used to. I was uh, raised on 
quarter mile drag racing. I've recently seen the interview with Cami Caruso. I didn't realize the equipment she used would be the former gray power. Justin, we've said that like a hundred times. We broke that story. We didn't break it, but we were on the razor's edge, the bleeding edge of that story. When was the last time that equipment was used? Probably by Tanner Gray. And remember the Titan racing engines, folks, which was formerly Gray Motorsports, which we definitely told you when Eric Latino bought that deal, they're going to maintain it. So it's their stuff. Which that tells me that Camry's going to have a lot of power. My whole thing is, you know, I've heard things about those engines, like legendary stuff. Like you may recall when Erica was on here that uh, they bought some of the former gray stuff and there were parts from space. They were just like, what? The little tidbits that you guys add to the broadcast and time runs and eliminations, the racers show that they are trying and not just here's another car or so. Well, I don't want to talk about what uh, the effort that we put into it because frankly, you know, it is what it is. Just like racing flying Ryan, right? The video will be out soon. I lost the reasons why and all that stuff. Nobody cares about any of that. You just do the best you can as long as you can. Drag racing fans are weird and never talk about the competition, just the money, like uh, nothing else that we've seen from Formula One and NASCAR fans. You know, like there's valid reasons with everything. Formula One is the world's most popular motorsport. They travel. It's the world's most expensive motorsport. It's the world's most lucrative motorsport. It's the world. It, it, it's it's a worldwide uh, phenomenon, right? But a lot of people here in the United States don't like it. Now it's an American thing owned by Americans, run by Americans. So maybe that's changing. And obviously the Netflix show, like, look at that. The Netflix show, Drive to Survive, on, 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 you know, it's about Formula One, fundamentally restructured the appreciation of the sport in the United States of America. Why? How? By showing the drivers outside of the cars. And NHRA knows this, and they've got a couple of shows that are in pre-production and that is good news. Look, there's there's always tough. We've we've got uh, we've got tough questions. Like we have two nitro categories, and each nitro category we have between sixteen and twenty cars. Top fuel and funny car. Imagine if we only had one nitro category, and we forced the remnants to choose either top fuel, funny car, or retire. Get the heck out. What would happen? Suddenly, you'd have double the time to talk about the category. It's been said for 100 years, like, why don't they put the results of the NHRA in various newspapers? Well, there's four winners. There's three winners. We like a sport where there's only one winner. So do we want to call that a negative or do we want to just accept it as a positive? I'm not getting rid of Pro Stock Motorcycle. I'm not getting rid of pro stock. I'm not getting rid of funny car or top fuel. They're all different. They're all great. Well, but think of how much more time we would have to develop the personalities in each category if we just got rid of all but one. Only funny car. Everybody else get out. Funny car only. There you go. Suddenly, 
and you got three hours to cover a funny car race or two hours, right? Like, man, there's a solution. Not a good one. Not if you love drag racing. I had a nice chat with Steve Johnson at Pomona. He, I already read that one. Drag ship is flat, kind of. Rick Ross, not cool on the Betty White thing. Yeah, a little too soon. I, I, lo I love Betty White. I forget the reference, though. When he says that, I don't. The lady lived a great life. Very funny. You hang out on the starting line. Oh, well, if you hang out on the starting line, and they've been putting a speaker facing the starting line, to give us a little more, but it's pretty tough. Six more weekends to the Winter Nationals. I know. Jerron, I had to leave to shovel snow, but we need to fix the rate in which you see my comments. Takes you too long to see them. Topics changed by then. That's true, Jerron. Perfect example. But look at No Prep King stands with Eighth Mile. Okay, Palm Beach had a good crowd. It's it, Well, it's definitely a better stadium. Like, if you want to do that, like, yeah, that's a good compromise. Like, let's build all tracks for eighth mile and like build them stadium. And you need a lot less re, uh, real estate. Like, right. There's, there's a, there's a pro to that argument you're making there. There's a big pro. Like think of all the great stuff you could do. You can maybe build an indoor eighth mile drag strip. You know, you might have to uh, have the shutdown area be outside, but there's a lot of different stuff you could do. Eighth mile. You know, it's a, it's a three second race then for fuel cars right? 2.930, something like that. Does anybody want to watch fuel cars to the eighth mile when you can watch them to a thousand foot? No. But by the way, the day they run them to 3.30, I would love to be there. That's the thing. Making choices is difficult. Like, look at they just changed the name from Factory uh, Experimental to Factory X. I was thinking about this the other day. Looking at the rule book, right? AFX. Remember, they came up with this whole thing, AFX, right? And now they just change it to Factory X. And I just spent a little time thinking about it. Like, man, they should have just called it Factory X from the word, the beginning. Why didn't they call it Factory X from the beginning? The new category, Factory X. Now they've already got an amendment, an addendum. What's up with that? Because making decisions is hard. You get closer and closer. Think about like launching one of these devices. How much goes into that? All the speed and power has been laid down by the eighth mile. Look at the numbers. Oh, yeah. Let's go to 60 foot. Really? That's where we run. You know, you don't get a good 60 foot time. Chances are you're going to lose. As a sportsman racer, I appreciate that I can compete in Super Gas, Cooper Super Street, and John Force entered a class I could be competitive with him. Yeah. Justin got Tampa Bay race runner was a great time. I hope I had more time to go. Uh, more people go check that out. Yes, Justin. And you are out there right now. I know. I just, the picture helps so much. Um, we had a great time and Ryan needs to do that every year. Cause the first one, like nobody knows what the heck it was going to be. And all you guys out there in the Corey Reed deal and everybody like that was flat out fun. And Ryan doing a great job for teaching people like what drag racing is all about. Give them an opportunity. I need a bat phone for your show. You do, you have a bat phone. And you can text me at any time, Jerron. Uh, I don't know what the text would have been. Like, read my comment. People pay to see personalities. Well, some do. The NHRA universe is totally unique. Let's assume there's 30,000 people at a race. Okay. 
10,000 of those people are there to see loud, fast cars that go 300 miles per hour. And they don't know about the points, nor do they care. They don't know about the world championship, nor do they care. I'm talking at the auto club finals, right? Like the finals, the championships are on the line, the countdown. We've made a big bit of it. There's a huge percentage of the people that are there at the race know nothing about it. Zero. They want to see loud, fast cars. Can you believe how loud these cars are? No, man, I can't believe it. I didn't realize. Wow, aren't they super fast? Wow. Yeah, man, I was scared when they started. At least a third. At least a third. And then you've got a large percentage that don't care about the nitro cars. They're there to see pro stock. A lot of people are there to see pro stock. Is it the majority? No. Is it, you know, 60%? No. It's, but uh, if you cut 30%, 25% of the people that are just there to see pro stock and comp, pro stock and comp, stock, super stock. You got a, like a, a group of people that are there to go see that. I got friends, a bunch of them. They go to the Gator Nationals on Friday only. They want to see stock, super stock. They want to see comp. And, and they talk pro stock. They like pro stock. Could care less about nitro cars. There's a bunch of those people. We got to grow, though. We got to grow. We got to grow. Leah's doing a good job. She's a personality. I think people will want to go to see Leah. Ron Caps. I think people go to see Ron Caps. Of course, people go to see John Force. The guy's got 40 years of equity. Great show today. Always great stuff when you and Alan get together. Yeah, this is the first one of the year. It's going a little long. Joe, will you be in Pomona, California in February, first race of the 2022 season? That is my intention as of now. Nick's on the eighth mile. I have to start all the new, new uh, throttle stop. Yeah, that's true. Well, eighth mile throttle stop racing. I don't know. How does that work? Justin Collier gets the award for the biggest stir of the pot stick today. Yeah, way to go, Justin, who I thought, uh, you know, I put him a dot .90 racer on him, which is not true. He's a pro stock motorcycle racer. If the racing is no good, I don't want to watch it. I haven't watched NASCAR in almost 20 years since Earnhardt died. I'm guessing, Terry. Um, but the sad thing is, Terry, that right now, like you're missing out because the racing in NASCAR was really good last year. The last two years of NASCAR racing was really good. It's just that you don't know the personalities anymore because they're all young kids that have replaced all the guys that we grew up with. It's a cyclical thing. This year, we kind of kind of know the drivers a lot better, but they're going to be in the brand new car which there's a high likelihood that the racing is probably not going to be that great. Right. Don't we know that like somebody's going to hit the setups and figure it out ahead of everybody else and uh, run away with it. Isn't that how it always goes again? This is Harvey. who beat me in the 32 car shootout at flying Ryan deal. Great race. 24th thou got off the starting line a little ahead of me and uh, to the eighth mile beat me out 24th thou, but you can look around Chris Bostick. He won the whole thing. Got a lot of, Early hits early. I think Justin is in there somewhere. This is the deal. Flying Ryan, he went to the nines. The track is a historical landmark. And I asked, like, why? And it turns out because of these things. They used to be the entranceway to the drag strip, like back in the early days, like in the 1950s. And so they just moved them. And they're a historical landmark. This is Dale Renner and there's Ryan. Corey Reed and myself. It was a nice little track. Subscribe to YouTube and you'll be able to 
uh, you'll be able to see the entire deal when we drop the video. I had a great time. It was fun. I wish I could have, you know, I did turn on one wind light over against an NHRA stock super stock racer, which was good. But I, I think he probably had less experience than I did. Also, if you want some WFO gear, I'm going to throw it up into the comment section. I'm going to throw it up. People have been liking the shirts. They've been liking the gear. A lot of people for the holidays went out and got some stuff, whether it be long sleeve t-shirts or coffee mugs or sweatshirts or we got our logo gear out there. This one's very popular. Everybody likes this. This one especially. Everybody likes it. And we're going to be putting up more designs. Get your stuff. All right. Before I read your final comments, I'm going to say thanks to the people who make it possible. Like Patreons. The Ignition Show is really a Patreon co-hosted show. Happy birthday to Sue Morris and Marvin Rodak and everybody who supports the show. Thank you very much. We're over 50 Patreons now. It's a shocking development. They pay a little something extra for the show to be part of the VIP membership club. And it's amazing. And it's very helpful to the business of WFO Radio. Patreon.com slash WFO Radio. Or just go to our website and you'll find it. Patreon. Frank Hawley's Drag Racing School. I'm trying to come up with different things. In fact, we're going to have an event where the Patreons all show up at that event. I'm thinking it's going to be indie just because that's convenient. Frank Hawley's Drag Racing School, frankhawley.com. Dragster Adventure, Drive a Dragster, which I really believe like doing the Dragster Adventure is the natural evolution from racing the Flying Ryan race. Joe versus Pro is something that needs to continue, except maybe in Frank Hawley cars next, right? I'm excited about it. Samtech.edu, the School of Automotive Machinists and Technology. Start your education at full speed. Ultimately, this sport is nothing and it doesn't exist without these guys. The engine builders, the machinists, the tuners, the programmers. Not saying you got to go through Samtech, but they're a good way to get started. But we were talking a little bit about Steve Petty earlier. Like, think about that guy. Pro line, Steve Petty. Wins the Pro Mod Championship. Wins the No Prep Kings Championship. That guy. Star super tuner. Who deserves to be famous? Really? The driver of the car, the guy who pays the bills, or the guy who makes the calls? You know, we talk about uh, Dick Venables, Dickie's dad passing away at the very start of the show. Obviously, may he rest in peace. And you think about Dickie and Ron Tobler. But those guys who make the calls, they're really the stars. They're the ones that make it happen. Um, it's amazing. And they're all really smart and they're all kind of unsung heroes. If anyone's got a beef, a complaint, I think it's those crew chiefs. <laughs> they got the stress. Total Seal Piston Rings, the leader in ring seal technology, totalseal.com. Thinking of Hartford, right? Star driver, personality, character, business owner. Supporting WFO Radio, reaching out like, hey, let's do a podcast. We're doing it. Hidden Horsepower. Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You got to search it. Hidden Horsepower. The one with Larry Morgan and the one with Gary Stinnett and the one with Frank Iaconio. Like the last several have been just great, but 
Larry Morgan talking about racing Danny Jessel's equal eight engine, like the whole subculture within motorsports of the engine guys. Like, oh my gosh, I knew it was a thing, but now I understand it so much more thanks to doing hidden horsepower. It's a network. They all know each other. They're all keeping up with each other. There was building engines for this or building engines for that. And the way the NHRA and the drag racer is viewed within that community. It's really amazing. But you got to listen to the Larry Morgan episode. He just rapid fires, talks about Roger Penske and Penske offering Larry opportunity to use Ilmore to design pistons and rings for his pro stock car in that like in 1990 or something like that and he tells the story that ilmore came back with something here here it is this is what we've designed for you and how did it go you gotta listen check it out and marvin rodak rodax coffee and grills.com hot sauces and spice rubs everything good rodax grills tools tips information he's located in fort worth texas if you're down there in texas 817-924-6821. Call Marvin. If you want free stickers, I'll send you some. Castello Media slash WFO stickers, P.O. Box 848-353, Pembroke Pines, Florida 33084. And to everybody who sent me a Christmas card, thank you very much for that. That was amazing. Going over to the P.O. Box, someone sent me something. Oh my gosh. Thank you for that, guys. I had a great winter break, but now it's time to go. Check out the Ignition Show. A lot of fun. Talk a little Miami Dolphins football. I talked about Boba Fett. Talked about the new Matrix movie. Yes, I do have other interests other than drag racing. In addition to drag racing. Let's see what you got to say before we bounce on out of here. I'm going to start from the end. The Nitro Pros have changed from just the leakers that slow the show down. Plus, uh, what is it? A A plus for them. Well, also NHRA mandating a bunch of rules. To prevent the leakers. Like it's not, they didn't do it voluntarily. Like that's the thing. I had a conversation about with, I had a conversation with Corey Reed about safety gear. And Corey gave me some personal insight into his deal, which I'm not going to give all of it uh, because I felt like it was a kind of a personal conversation, but different safety stuff. And we both agreed that if wearing a helmet wasn't mandatory, there would be people who wouldn't be wearing a helmet on the drag strip in a fast car. So when it comes to the leakers and, and, and everything, I think NHRA deserves credit. Great show, Joe. A little weird, but cool at the same time. Yeah, different. 2022, it's going to be different. Alan is a bag of hot air. Get out of here. The award is the bag of hot air award. My opinion, when he tries comedy on NHRA.TV. Yeah, except we can't see who you are. You leave Alan alone. We love Alan Reinhardt. Wonderful show today, says Lonnie. Lonnie, you like them all though, man. No offense. But you're very positive all the time. Many things discussed and even the negative things on subjects uh, need to be approached and discussed. I was captivated by all of the opinions. Thank you, Lonnie. Well, yes, negativity does need to be discussed. It does. If that's one thing that we've learned over the years, right? Like you can't just ignore stuff. If they, if there's people who have a beef, like I'm not saying that the NHRA shouldn't try to make everybody happy, but a lot of effort has been put in already. Has it made anyone happy? 
the answer is yes, it has. There's a couple of people, though, that I think they're basing their opinions on NHRA of 10, 15 years ago, which is a totally different thing. How about some credit? How about a little something? A little something for the effort, you know? Lama. Hey, Lama. Take on Tony Stewart. Joe versus Pro, me versus Tony. What? Nine ball? Right. Who says it has to be racing? Blake. Joe, my mom would like to know how your keto diet is going and have you lost weight? Okay, Blake, it started yesterday. I have yet to lose any weight. <clears throat> I don't know what's wrong with this stupid keto diet, man. Like everybody told me this thing would work and it has failed. I haven't lost any weight since yesterday. Just a little sarcasm joke about the way many people view what NHRA does. No, Blake, I've done this in the past. If I can keep it going for 20 days, I will be amazed at how much I've uh, lost. It's going to be great. You may chart my progress. <clears throat> like right here, this stuff. Right here. This is where you know. Costello. Mm. When I race my Nova and Super Comp, I always have the crowd in my pocket. Yeah, you do. Door slammers and Super Comp. I like to think. And finally... That is one drag strip in Florida that I've never been to or heard of. Never heard of, Jim? It used to be Sunshine. Of course you did. They changed the name. I don't know why. To uh, Showtime Drag Strip. And it's very neat. And it could be very, very popular. They have rebuilt uh, the highways in such a way that, you know, imagine a highway coming this way and kind of arcing this way into a cloverleaf. The track is right there. Like everybody that's on the highway is going to be able to look down and see that there's this facility and they've got an oval track and they've got a uh, figure eight track and the oval track. Uh, in my opinion, okay, and this is a sad deal because a lot of people own businesses that they don't really try. I gave that example of the radio station in West Palm Beach a couple of years ago where it looked like, uh, you know, a poison gas killed everybody that worked there. And there were still desks with like an empty coffee cup with crusted coffee sitting on the desk. And it had been there since the 90s. And the people who owned the station didn't try to use it to make money. They just put on some sort of programming that whatever was the cheapest and they paid their yearly license fee. And they said, we own a radio station, but they weren't really trying to be a business. They were just owning the radio station, right? Um, there are a lot of racetrack owners that are like that too, that maybe they don't have the desire to go out there and try to conquer the world. I don't know what the case is with this place. I think they are trying to get it going. And now that they're solidified, this track as an eighth mile facility in its location with the appropriate budget for promotion and events could be something really, really big. Because it's so close, there's going to be an exit right on the highway. Think about in the old times where they're putting an exit right on the highway. Like if you were by an exit, it meant success. The American highway system, it meant success. They're going to be right near, it's going to be great. And they're grandfathered in. They're a historical landmark. They're not going anywhere. Flying Ryan is in. They got a lot of good stuff. Oh, let's see. Stirring the pot here. Will the J.R. Todd beef with Joe Costello continue in 2022? No, it is definitely not. That's been squashed. Call out Tony Stewart. Go game a nine ball. There you go. What would I compete against TS? I don't know. 
I'd have to research him. Figure out something he doesn't know how to do. Certainly not racing a car. So yeah, Joe versus Pro. So many people were rooting for me and giving me positive energy, and I let them down. That is my one regret. And I guess I should have negotiated more practice runs. But great time. I staged up in competition against the professional Wally winning drag racer. I made a race of it. It was an exhilarating, fun experience. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel. And we'll be dropping it at some point in the next week or so. So there you go. Ah, but in my mind, I did. You didn't let anyone down, says Monica. In my mind, I did. No, I did. I want to deliver a victory. You want to deliver a victory. I did beat Phil Langford. Somebody got beat. Sorry. All right, guys. That's it. 2022 is off and running. Remember our great sponsors. And remember all our WFO gear and swag. Later, Blake. See you in Pomona. Appreciate everybody out there. Hopefully uh, you had a great holiday. I certainly did. No, I didn't beat him at the tree because that's pretty much where the races were lost. Cars were pretty equal. You got to get off the starting line first. Staging, starting line RPM. That was everything. I have no doubt. But maybe there'll be a rematch. Maybe we'll go Joe versus Pro 2022. Who knows? All right, guys. Thank you very much. Appreciate you all. This was an interesting show. Little tackle, some negative points. It was very worthwhile. Check out the Ignition Show. Check out Hidden Horsepower. WFO will see you next week.